Episode 15, The Garden of the Mind. Hi everyone, welcome to this year's episode of the Scarcity Complex Podcast. (laughs) I get to say this year's because it has literally been almost a year since I have put out any content, uh, recorded a podcast, and um, it's crazy, isn't it? How quickly a year can fly by. So I found as I was beginning to step back up to the mic again, it was kind of difficult to do, almost as if you haven't exercised in a while, if you haven't been to the gym. One, a lot of times you don't want to go, even though you know how good you'll feel after you go. Uh, Or if you do some other habit, whether you meditate, whether you garden, just anything that you know that's going to nurture your mind and nurture the wholeness of who you are. Yet there's always this resistance, isn't there, whenever we're stepping back into something or even stepping into something new, which is a lot of what this podcast is about. So if anyone is listening to the Scarcity Complex podcast for the first time, just kind of give you a quick summary of what what this show is seeking to explore. The idea of fear and scarcity is something that I believe every single one of us on the planet has inside of us. It ultimately gets to the deepest questions of why are we here? Uh, Our fear of loss, our fear of death, our fear ultimately too that we are not enough. And it's this kind of nagging inside dialogue that afflicts us all in some form or fashion, where again, we feel like we're not going to measure up Uh, If people really, whatever, know the full vulnerability of who we are, that will be what will be rejected. And it's all an illusion. It's all a trick of our logic brain, which is kind of fitting. That's what we're going to be talking about on today's show is the mind. But it's a trick that oftentimes our mind will play on us. And so oftentimes we get caught up in the internal chatter of thoughts and things that are constantly flying before us. And we begin to attach to those thoughts. And the ultimate premise of the scarcity complex is that that more times than not, it's our inner sense of scarcity. It's our inner sense of perceived lack that oftentimes then results in true outer scarcity. Um, There is such a thing as true scarcity in the world. We see it every day. Uh, We've seen it through COVID. Uh, We've seen it through all the different things that are afflicting our global community right now, where, where we're all waking up, I believe, in different ways to realizing how interconnected we all are and how interconnected our world truly is. And so if we're not in touch with the sense of inner scarcity, there will always be this kind of nagging something in us that more times than not can lead to us over-consuming. And that over-consumption can come in many different forms, right? It can come through food. It can come through numbing ourselves. It can come, you name it, from there's no shortage of things that are fed to us that are told that these things are going to complete us. These things are going to take away any feelings of uneasiness, anxiety, existential fear that's in all of us at times, that those things are going to give us the answers. And Many of those things aren't bad things, but more times than not, what happens? We consume those things and we still feel empty inside. So that's kind of the core premise of this podcast, how, how oftentimes we see limited possibilities, both within ourselves, within other people, and of course, around the world. And that much of life, and actually most of life, is a shift in perspective, a shift in our perception, and ultimately a shift in many times in what I would call our state or our kind of um, overall feeling of who we are. So that's what we're going to explore on, on today's show. And 
one of the things that I battle uh, in my own life, even just in terms of all the steps that I'd taken to get to this place where I even had the courage to put a podcast out into this world, because why does something like that take courage? Why does self-expression scare us so much? Well, there's no shortage of whatever word you want to use, haters, trolls, uh, people that are don't even have half the courage to, to do maybe what you're trying to do in your life or what I'm trying to do in mine. And it's so much easier and it's safer to what? To hide behind a keyboard, to whatever it might be to try to tear people down. That's the easy path. That's the path that everyone is stuck in. And that's the path that is keeping uh, everyone in our world in some form or fashion in a state of imprisonment because it starts to lock us out from what? From being able to share more of who we are, sharing more of our own stories, more of our vulnerability. And more times than not, as we begin to share more of who we are and that we don't have it all together, that we go through ebbs and flows and different states and all sorts of things, it becomes an invitation for others to do the same. So that's my hope that in my small way, of doing this podcast, that it can be a contribution to the, the larger whole of what I believe is shifting here in our world, where our world is crying out for that space to be able to be more than one thing, to not have to have it all together, and to be able to be truly all of who we really are. And when we do those things, those things are ultimately an offering, right, to the world. It's something that, that we're putting out not having any expectation or any hope, so to speak, of what it may or may not do, but that in having the courage to step forward in sharing more of who we are, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's with friends, with people that you love in your life, where you just decide to show up and share whatever it might be that's going on in your life, more times than not, uh, it can encourage others to do the same. But vulnerability is scary, of course. Vulnerability uh, ultimately gets to the core of if I share this, whatever, uh, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be made fun of or someone's going to give me a nice pat on the head and say, oh, okay, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> and then you just feel what? You feel raw, you feel vulnerable, you feel um, like what was the point? So, I hope that this podcast is an offering. I hope that it's a little bit of a container, um, a space where whoever's listening can can come and hopefully be reminded uh, in my own way that I'm doing this for myself, that, that you are not alone. And I'm not going to embarrass by name <laughs> somebody that I ran into this week, but about a month ago, I ran into someone. I was in my um, doctor's office and we, we were in the kind of shared room and had this remarkable conversation with someone who was there as well. And I won't get into her story because it's her story to share, but lovely, lovely woman. And we were talking life and just like I think a lot of us are these days, just trying to make sense of everything that's going on in this world and just this, our own journey of what it means to be human, what it means to be in these bodies that we were put into. And she had shared that uh, she was really getting into podcasts. And that was when I then shared with her, I was like, oh, well, that's I actually have a podcast that I've done. I haven't done anything on in a while. And so I shared it with her and didn't think much of it. And then just this past week, uh, I was actually in the same doctor's office and I ran into her on the way out and she stopped and she said, I've listened to all your podcasts and I've been, you know, sharing them with my friends and, you know, like, I keep looking to see if you've put another one out and <laughs> and she probably had no idea, you know, in that moment what an encouragement that was for me to keep going. And I think that's the remarkable thing about the interconnectedness of who we are that so many times we may not truly truly understand the power of our words, the power of trying to help someone the power of just being present, you know, in a moment when we have the grace to be present and we're, and we're not so wrapped up in our heads, which we'll get to on today's podcast. But I just wanted to share that because it reminded me of the smallest of ways that when we're willing to connect in a direct, in an open, in a vulnerable way with others, that's, that more times than not, that is fuel for our souls to keep going 
in living in bodies and living in a world that can feel very tiring and very weary at times. Um, most people who are probably listening to this podcast, you're probably someone that you're not perfect like any of us, but you're probably someone that's trying to do good in this world. You're probably someone that's trying to help people. And sometimes that help might get stampeded on or taken advantage of or not even whatever appreciated or received. And it's hard, isn't it, at times to want to keep going when you see what's playing on the news all the time or when you see that a lot of times there's far more takers in the world than, than givers or whatever word you want to use. But, but the reality is, is that more times than not, there are people in this world who are genuinely trying to live from that good centered place, even if we're not perfect, even if we all mess up, which is again, part of this human journey. So today we are going to talk about the mind and I was debating about what to call today's podcast. At first, I wanted to call it, and I'm not even sure what the title will be <laughs> when I'm done with this podcast. So, But at first, I wanted to call it Thoughts. <laughs> what the hell are they? And then I thought, maybe I'll just call it The Mind, or maybe I'll call it The Garden of the Mind. So by the time this podcast airs, I don't know what title I settled on. But we want to talk today about the mind, and specifically thoughts. Years ago, I had the opportunity to go on, it was, I believe it was a week-long retreat, and it was what was called a silent meditation retreat. I had never done anything like that before. Uh, I, I went really not knowing what I would be getting myself into. And it was led by a man named John Kabat-Zinn, who, if anybody has studied mindfulness or knows that name, uh, he's kind of one of the forefathers of the modern mindfulness movement. He's basically helped take this idea of meditation or mindfulness can come in many different forms, but, but basically this premise that we are not our thoughts. Uh, Michael Singer in Untethered Soul has a similar um, perspective. There's, you know, no one has a monopoly on, on this kind of teaching, but it's a thread that goes through many different um, spiritual traditions and and it's thankfully starting to become more mainstream. Years ago, mindfulness was like a dirty word that if you mention that word, it's like you're trying to convert someone to Buddhism or to some certain spiritual path. And that's not really what it is, even though a lot of the spiritual paths are rooted in it and understand and know the importance of, of what that is. And so the, the, the basic premise of life that we aren't taught at an early age and that if we were taught you know, when we were growing up, might make a radical difference in what we see in our outer world today, is that we are not our thoughts. In other words, there's, a, there's someone in you, there's someone in me <laughs> that has this amazing ability when we have the grace to do it, to lean back, to, just to step back, and to be able to actually witness the thoughts that are flying through our head. Almost as if you're in the center of a tornado, a hurricane, something like that, that you're in the middle of the eye, let's say, of a storm, and you're sitting there in this kind of calm space, but you're watching all these things fly before you at warp speed, and, and some of them are things that you're like, well, where did that come from? Or, you know, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it many, many times. But more times than not, what will happen is, one of those hundreds, if not thousands of thoughts that float through our mind every day of that chatter, one of those we will what? We will attach to, and it will hook us in, and all of a sudden, it's like we've thrown a fishing line or a hook to that particular thought, and we are now long gone down some rabbit hole. All of us do that. All of us experience that on a daily basis in ways that we often do not understand. And that's obviously what we see in our external world today. If you go on to social media, on Twitter, on any, any social media accounts, it's basically what? It's basically a platform, it's a microphone for everyone to try to get a lot of this stuff that's floating around in our heads out. Um, and it's a lot of those thoughts basically trying to kind of persuade other thoughts. There's a great show called The Good Place that I recently discovered. Highly recommend it. It's, it's available on Netflix. And 
it explores a lot of these themes in a very, very playful way. And there's, and there's a part in the series, this isn't a spoiler, where I believe uh, one of the characters, they see a double rainbow, and one of the characters say, it's a double rainbow, and like that you don't see those very often, almost in the same way that you see someone changing their opinion or their mind <laughs> through a debate on social media. It can happen, but the reality is, is that most of the time, we're just a bunch of talking heads, talking information at each other. And more times than not, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, is that people aren't persuaded simply by facts. I mean, some people are, but many people aren't. A lot of times what tends to open us up to new perspectives, to new ideas, to maybe even a new understanding of who we are, is through the power of story. It's either sharing our own story or hearing someone else's story. All of a sudden, that other group that you know we thought was the problem when you start to begin to learn and start to begin to understand a little bit more of maybe who they are, or they begin to understand more of who you, who you are, you begin to see that it's far more complicated than just changing people's minds through information. So getting back to this meditation retreat that I went on, one of the most profound ideas that John Kabat-Zinn shared that weekend that has stuck with me for years is this kind of aha that when he said it, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, he's so right. And it was this. He said, after all these years of science, of what science can do and what we're learning about everything, our external and even our internal world with our minds and the brains, which we're still just scratching the surface on, he said, scientists still can't prove or really explain what is a thought. I mean, we might be able to explain that a thought is, you know, stored in our brains or it's these two neurotransmitters or neurons, you know, connecting and but but to this day, no one has really been able to break down what is a thought. We can say it's filled with information, it's again encoded in our brains, it's a lot of times it's attached with some sort of emotion. That's why certain thoughts tend to to come up. But, but it's really difficult to really even explain or know what they are. So we're not going to really get into trying to understand the science of thoughts or even where thoughts are stored and what parts of the brain they go in. That's super helpful in understanding the architecture and realizing, again, that we are not our thoughts. But I want to explore this more from perhaps an allegorical or you know, a metaphorical perspective of the opportunity that we have to remember that we, again, are not our thoughts. And so picture, if you will, a garden or a park or some huge, just let's say it's this giant swath of land that you get to walk into. And as you walk into it, there's this path and you see to your left, you see to your right, you see all kinds of different flowers, maybe different shrubs, you know, just all sorts of different things. And, you know, you walk the path and then you, you see another path over here. You kind of go down that path and some of the paths might be more uh, worn in than other paths. And then you might get to a place where all you see then in front of you is like brush. And you're like, well, what's what's behind all that brush? And if you kind of zoomed out, right, and if you were looking at this garden or this field or let's just say this large swath again of land from an aerial view, you would see what probably looks like this infinite, infinite amount of land. And as you look at it, you begin to see that your little maybe garden or your little past that you have is just this tiny, tiny, tiny bit of this vast expanse of land. So that vast expanse of land is the fullness, the, the potential, the almost infinite possibility of what exists in our mind. You know, there's this, there's this statistic that we only use, what, a tiny fraction or portion, you know, of our brains. But let's just, for today's show, talk about that tiny portion of where most of us live, because that's where, where most of us do live. All of us have what scientists would call neural pathways. And neural pathways, again, are like paths along this park or this garden that we walk through. It's the same as maybe the same path that you take every day to go to work or to drop off your kids to school or whatever it might be. You take the same roads, you know, you can do it almost blindly because you're so used to which way you go. You don't have to think, right, about 
how to get there. That could be one analogy. And that oftentimes is the analogy of these common pathways that we have taken in life. And those pathways, a lot of times, are always shaped by the opportunities that we've had growing up, our experiences, our, our upbringing, our religious or spiritual background, our connections that we've had with other people. And we begin to form certain pathways that lead us down certain roads. So we could take relationships, for example. If you've been in a, in a relationship or if you have a certain pattern in a relationship or you were hurt in a relationship, that becomes what? That becomes a pathway. And we start to begin to what? Anytime then that we, we think about a new relationship or we think about a current relationship, those old patterns might come up because what? Because we are used to going down that particular pathway. And oftentimes, <laughs> there's two emotions or two kind of spectrums, ends of the spectrum that we will experience with these different pathways. It could either be extreme joy and you know pleasure, so to speak, of like, this just brought me so much happiness. Or it could be the opposite. This brought me so much pain, so much grief, so much anger, so much whatever it might be. And, and, and those tend to be sometimes the extremes. And so a lot of times we'll want to chase after whatever it might be. We might want to chase down the roads that have always brought us that, that joy, hoping we can recreate that. Or we might want to consciously or not avoid those other pathways where we have felt like we got the life sucked out of us. But the reality is, is that all of us have those pathways burnt into our brains. And then there's a lot of kind of middle ground pathways. And those pathways are ones where maybe it's not either extreme. It doesn't bring us horrible pain, but it also doesn't have the potential to bring us deep joy. And we might settle for those. And some of those aren't necessarily bad. But more times than not, we might choose to want to just live our life in the safe lane because we don't want to get hurt or we're afraid that if we go down the other path, we don't want to experience what? So much love, so much joy, so much deep satisfaction that we don't believe is truly possible or is truly real. So we might avoid either of those and we stay happy what? Going down the same roads that we've always gone down. Again, some of those aren't bad. They're great for establishing routine, establish, establishing rituals in our lives. But there's also sometimes a drawback to that as well. We might be living life playing it safe. We might be living life not wanting to, again, go down either road because ultimately we're afraid of believing that we're worthy of experiencing deep love, of believing that we're, experience, that we're worthy of experiencing a deep contentment in our hearts. Or we're worried about what? We're worried about loss. We're worried that we'll be rejected. We're worried that if we... I don't know, express our love to someone, or if we, uh, again, pursue something creatively, begin to share more of who we are, that it'll be stomped on and that we'll be rejected. So most of our world, or at least most of here in the West, here in the U.S., most of our country is hypnotized into kind of staying in that middle lane. And, and oftentimes that middle lane leaves us feeling numb. It leaves us in this place where we then look to all of these quote outside things that maybe this thing is going to fill us up. Maybe this thing will give me the answer that I need for life. When in reality, what all of us are craving deep inside is a deep inner connections with ourselves, with, with God or with the divine, and then ultimately uh, a connection with other people. And the reason why we crave those things is because whether we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, and whether we experience or perceive it or not, the reality is, is that we are already deeply, deeply, deeply interconnected again in ways that we don't often understand. So the idea that we have this potential to step back, to lean back and to be, be able to begin to realize that I am not this thought right now that's going through my head is a really, really, really radical emancipation <laughs> that lets us begin to experience life in a different way. Michael Singer talks about this all the time. Um, you can listen, you can Google him and he, a lot of his talks are available online, but he'll almost say this with a sense of, of laughter of like, 
how humorous it is that we live in this world and then we think we go through this world and we see everything in us as if it's personal, as if what we're witnessing is something <laughs> directed, you know, specifically to me. When in reality, everyone is living their own stories. And this world has gone on for centuries and billions upon billions of years. Uh, I don't want to quote him directly because I don't know if I'm getting his words right, but it's done just fine, you know, in many ways without, quote, our perspective. So it raises the question then of then why the hell are we here? <laughs> Do you ever struggle with that? Struggle when you wake up in the morning, you're flooded with anxiety, you're flooded with thoughts. Um, you know, whether you had a, a bad dream or a good dream. And before you've even woken up, you're already just like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to get up today? And how am I going to live today without feeling overwhelmed with everything that I might have going on in my world or everything that's quite frankly going on in our outer world? And it ain't pretty. And one of the fascinating things about being able to witness our thoughts is that when we have the grace to be able to do it, where we're not, quote, attached to a thought, it can be quite liberating. And this is one of those places where a lot of times it's kind of easy to try to make things black and white, and where many times it's not just one answer. So mindfulness or meditation, we know that that is a valuable tool. There's a recent study that just came out that is suggesting that, I forget the amount of time, but like a certain amount of just mindful brief meditation each day can be as effective as some, um, you know, pharmaceuticals for depression, for anxiety and, and things like that. Um, but, but, but oftentimes when we're looking at some of these problems that we have, quote, in our world, which ultimately stem from who we are on the inside, this complexity of who we are. And, and so even these thoughts that we have that are floating through our head, let's go back to that analogy where we're sitting in the eye of the storm and we're witnessing these thoughts. When we witness those thoughts, ultimately, every single one of those thoughts, whether we believe this or not, are pretty neutral things. They're things that if someone else saw it or if we were reading the thoughts that float through our mind and they were just listed on Wikipedia, we would just look at this and be like, okay. Or if we were, you were witnessing mine or I was witnessing yours and somehow we had this tool, it would be kind of scary but cool if we had a tool someday where every single thought that you think every day that you're not even aware of because we're only conscious of a small fraction of our thoughts you'd get to see you know at the end of the day and you'd be like what <laughs> that that that's what you know and that's sort of the tricky nature of thoughts is that our mind is always chattering there's always things floating through our heads that we're not oftentimes even aware of and then more times than not because a lot of these paths in our garden in our park on the land of our mind are paths that we've walked down so many times before that we're not even conscious that we're taking that certain path. And so a lot of different teachers, a lot of different people I know that I've read um, will talk about creating things um, called pattern interrupts, where we begin to sort of interrupt certain patterns where let's say we're starting down a certain road that we don't even realize that we're on. And there's something, whether it's through a friend, whether it's through... Um, a reminder that we put on our phone, whatever it might be, that helps us even in that moment to just pause for, sometimes it can be as short as five to 10 seconds to pause, to maybe take three deep breaths. And all of a sudden we've, what? We've interrupted that particular pattern and we're no longer, quote, maybe traveling down a, a neural pathway or, or a, a path on our garden that oftentimes doesn't leave us in a good place. And all of this, of course, is what? It's easier said than done. Like I could, I could talk for hours about all of this kind of stuff, right? You could probably talk for hours about it. But the practice of it, the practice of it is obviously a whole different thing. And the reality is, is that we live in this world where so much of our time and so much of our energy is spent looking at what? The outside, the outside world. These are the problems that need to be fixed and remedied. And they are indeed legitimate problems that need to be fixed and remedied. But more times than not, we don't devote that same amount of time to actually understanding where is all of this coming from. And, and as we do that, we would begin to learn more and more that this is truly an inside job, meaning a lot of these things are coming from this inner world. 
So, th- so that's kind of the logic side of things. You, you could listen to this and be like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or I could say this, this makes perfect sense, but then what? Walk out this door today, you, you do your normal routine of work or whatever it might be, and what? Someone hurts you. And, and when that happens, you could regurgitate everything I just said. You could listen to what I just said. You could even speak these same things yourself. But, but when those things happen, what typically occurs? What usually happens is that everything that we know about, I'm not my thoughts, I'm not these things, what? Goes out the window. And all of a sudden, without us even knowing it, we have attached our hook to that thought and room, we are going around the circle of the hurricane or the tornado without even knowing it. And this is where I think sometimes as much as I appreciate and as important as meditation and mindfulness is, this is where I believe there's an important bridge still needing to be made. And that is the reality of how many times we store um, these traumas, these hurts, these whatever it might be, those things get stuck in our bodies. And there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which is now, I think it's been in the top 10 of the bestseller list for, for, for months now. And it's a beautiful book because it talks about this built-in intelligence that, that we're just beginning to understand that isn't just even in our brains, but we're learning that our, our stomachs, our guts are now almost like a second brain, that, that there's millions upon millions of neurons even in our gut that's communicating with our brain and regulating our entire body. So oftentimes then when we have pain, when we have a hurt, when we have trauma, or we have one of these things that kind of gets us stuck, you might be given the platitude answer of like, well, you just need to, to meditate that away. And there's a word for that that sometimes applies. It's not always true, but that can be a form of what? Of spiritual bypassing, where we've been hurt. There's something in us where we're just, you know, and we're just like, well, I'm just going to let that thought go. And I'll do probably a whole podcast on spiritual bypassing here in the future, because it's kind of, it can be at times, sometimes the shadow side of any spiritual community of any wellness community is that, oh no, everything's great. I just meditate the negativity away. (laughs) When in reality, there's things in us that that oftentimes kind of need to come out that it activates. And so I don't want to get sidetracked with that, but I just want to acknowledge that this isn't an either or kind of thing. It's not like meditation is this perfect thing that all of a sudden we never feel pain again because we're just simply letting it go. (laughs) When in reality, a lot of times, you know, we have to get it out. I just saw uh, a recent interview. um, I think Nora O'Donnell, she interviewed Bono, uh, who just released his autobiography. He's the lead singer of U2, for those of you who who don't know. The title of the book is about surrender. And in the interview, he talks about his childhood. And he talks about how he was an angry kid growing up. And even in some of the early days of U2, there would be a punching bag underneath the stage when he'd get off stage because there was just this energy in him that he didn't even understand. And, you know, he's in his, you know, I don't know if he's probably in his 60s at this point. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. But even at that age, he's still trying to understand and make sense of who he is and what's inside of him. And that's the beautiful thing, is that we're never ever done on this journey. Um, the, the, the best that we can do is to try to understand it, to, to recognize that there's things in all of us that, again, a lot of times we might not even know or understand where those things come from. More times than not, they've come from experiences, they've come from, quote, thoughts, right, that are then getting activated. But it's a lot to unpack. And so this idea that there's ever one simple answer of one simple cure, one simple way isn't accurate and isn't honoring to the complexity of who we are. And one of the things that oftentimes might get missed when we explore this idea of our inner world is something that I'd like to call our inner state. And our inner state, and this is where if we were using that same analogy of walking through our garden we might describe the inner state or maybe the condition of our heart as the soil of the soil of the ground that we're walking on if we have good soil and it's and it's and it's filled with good nutrients well then typically the things that are growing are hopefully going to grow healthy and strong and we can begin to, to cultivate 
you know, new pathways or we can begin to kind of see some weeds that are growing over here that we're just going to either start to remove or we just start to take a completely different path altogether. And our inner state is so complex and it's so influenced by so many different things. It could be influenced by our genetic makeup of literally the the genetic makeup of our of our of our own minds, of our own brains, of what we're predispositioned to. Some people are just more naturally prone to things like anxiety, to depression. And you get into other classifications from everything from bipolar to OCD, you know, things that we're only just now beginning to uncover and understand more and more. So those things alone, like whatever flavor of that you may or may not have in your own life, whether it be quote big or small, that is part of what cultivates your inner state. And some people, just because of, again, the genetic cards that, that they were dealt, that the bodies that, that we were born into, might have more of a challenge. If you have a heavier thing that constantly is affecting the filter or the state of your being, that's one item. Another item is our basic things, right, of how much sleep we get each night. How many times have you heard the phrase, well, I'm going to sleep on it, and then in the morning, I hope to have more clarity? Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a reason why sleep is so important. And we are, at least here in the West, you know, we are a society that oftentimes uh, doesn't honor sleep and the power of sleep and the way that in the magic of who we are, the way that our, our bodies and our minds are naturally programmed to use this time at night where we're able to unplug from all the chatter and we're able to actually finally just let our brains rest. And that's why dreaming and REM sleep and all these things are so important because our bodies, believe it or not, have these built-in ways of regulating in the same way that animals do in nature, right? Of going back to that place of homeostasis. But sleep, the amount of sleep that we get, our food and our, our diet of what we're putting into, right? Our vessel of what we're putting into our body, that can influence something. If we're eating healthy food, if we're getting the right kinds of nutrients, exercise, movement, that can affect what? Our inner state. And that's just like a tiny fraction of all the different things that can cultivate the soil of our hearts that ultimately then influences many times um, the thoughts and how we interpret and what kind of meaning or attachment we assign to the thoughts that are floating through our head. And then one other aspect of that soil, again, and I'll probably do a whole podcast on this sometime, is again, just the condition of our hearts. I mean, our physical heart, of course, but ultimately our heart, right? If you're holding on to resentment, if you've been hurt by someone, if you're struggling to forgive someone, um, whatever it might be that we know we have in us, but oftentimes we're not wanting to deal with or we're not wanting to allow it might even just need to come through because we want to run from those feelings that it might produce. That's another aspect that, that affects the condition of the soil of our garden. And so I wanted to use today's podcast just to begin to explore this idea more because this is probably something that I'm going to continue to unpack in different topics in weeks to come. But to use this sort of as a framework for this larger narrative, this larger unfolding of realizing how complex and how interconnected, again, all of these things really are, and on top of it, how complex and interconnected uh, each of us are with each other and with this entire world by which we live. There's a great documentary that I highly recommend right now if anyone has Apple TV. Uh, it's by Selena Gomez, and it's called My Mind and Me. For those of you who don't know who Selena Gomez is, I kind of knew who she was. I mean, she's super popular, but uh, she was uh, she's a, she's a she's a singer and an actress, and she has had the courage to allow a documentary to be made about her. And the documentary is called My Mind and Me, and it's available on Apple TV. And it basically chronicles her story, which for her, her story was, you know, being, I think, on Barney at a very young age to now being this superstar, both in music and, you know, in TV and in film. But 
she uses this as, as a platform to talk very openly and honestly about her own uh, physical struggles that she has, um, but also about um, the mental challenges that she has because uh, she, she struggles with, I think in this case, her, her challenge is bipolar disorder and her learning to begin to try to understand how that can radically you know, affect her perspective of reality. And so it's a really beautiful beautiful documentary that if anyone is wanting or needing just a really good dose of honest vulnerability, I highly recommend it because it's another reminder of what all of us struggle with in some form or fashion. You may not have bipolar disorder, but you know what it's like to feel like you just want to give up. You know what it's like to have anxiety. You know what it's like to feel depressed. It's a super powerful story that I can't recommend enough that I believe is part of this larger shift that we're beginning to undergo here on our planet where we start talking about these things that all of us experience in some form or fashion in the reality that none of us really have it all together. So highly recommend that one as well. And in one of my previous podcasts where I talked about stepping into the unknown, you know, we talk about that a lot. We talk about like this idea of like, what does it really mean to kind of carve a new path. So getting back to like that, that land perspective, if you're looking at the aerial o overview and you're looking at yourself walking through your own quote mind, you see that you've come to this large, nothing but brush in front of you. And you have no idea what isn't, what's waiting in there. There could be all kinds of things. If you decide to just slowly take, let's say you have like a machete, you're an adventurer and you're just, you know, clearing just even the first fraction of a step into that new brush. That's the opportunity that's waiting for all of us. And is, is that we have this infinite possibility within every single one of us. And it takes courage to be able to start to perhaps say, you know what, even though I've walked down this road all of my life, this road tends to leave me feeling numb, tends to leave me feeling like I'm missing something in life, or this road constantly leads me to this place of suffering. Maybe I'm even addicted to this pain because it just, it makes me feel something. It makes me feel like I'm alive. But, but when I look at it, I'm realizing that this path is leaving me what? It's leaving me trapped in, in victimhood. It's leaving me trapped in feeling like I'm powerless. And oftentimes what it, it's making us feel like is a repetitive core story that all of us have, you know, in our lives, that the world is against me or that I'm not enough, or that if I open my heart up to someone, if I risk quote, either being seen or being loved in this world, it's, it's going to lead to nothing but pain and rejection. And so what do we do? We just close off. We decide, you know what, I'd rather suffer. And I'm just going to go down this path that I've gone down for years upon years because yeah, I don't, I don't want to even deal with the possibility that there could be something deeper and better out there and ultimately in there, meaning deep inside of us, that could be explored. That takes courage. That takes work. That takes getting out of our heads. That takes an openness to being willing to, to accept, in many ways, the responsibility that all of us have for, for our own emotional state, for our own inner state. And that's not always an easy thing to do, but when we do it, when we realize, okay, it's not this world necessarily that's making me feel the way I am, even though it's reinforcing a lot of what we see, all of us have this opportunity deep within us to transcend isn't always the best word because I think sometimes transcend can make it feel like we're just transcending all of our pain. And, and that's not what it is. It's being able to still move forward while we feel that pain or being able to move forward while we feel that joy and not getting freaked out that, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this joy and this joy can't last too long. And, and at some point it, it might fade, but, but it's allowing ourselves to feel these things and being willing to go down new pathways. And how do we do it? How do we begin to carve those new pathways? Well, first off, we do it step by step by step. I've shared this on another podcast that, you know, my own journey of just getting to this place where if you told me I would do a podcast someday, I would have been like, there's no way I'll ever be able to do that. Even though it's something that I would love to do, it would be a dream to be able to use my own gifts and be able to share those things. It was something that literally took step by step by step by step. And 
where my next step leads me will probably lead me to a deeper place of expression or some other place where all of a sudden now I'm able to, to do this, which I've always wanted to do, but I've been, quote, scared to do it. First and foremost, that's how we do it, step by step by step. That's the first way. The second is what? Is setting up the space in our lives to be able to explore these things more. Some people might call these like daily rituals. So maybe that means going to bed at a certain time at night of getting a certain amount of sleep or that when you get up first thing in the morning, you drink a tall glass of water, which almost everybody recommends that you do. I've started keeping a huge glass of water at my nightstand. So I don't even have to remember to do it in the morning. I see the water, I drink it, and then I transition on my best days into what I would call a morning practice. And a morning practice can be anything to anyone. It could be that you take time to read, you take time to meditate, even if it's only five minutes. You might just sit in bed in the morning before you get up and put your hand over your heart and just breathe. You might have a certain mantra that you say. Um, you might take time journaling. Um, it could be that you shower first thing in the morning. You know, anything that kind of begins to build the space that cultivates a container in our minds that helps to begin to help support us regulating, you know, our inner world. So that's one aspect. And again, probably do a whole podcast on that someday. But the third aspect of all this, and there's not just three steps here, I'm just sharing ones that I believe are extremely relevant. The third one is that we do not do these things alone. And we can only do these things through the power of connection. Connection. Again, probably do a whole podcast on that alone. But connection is what every single one of us on this planet are craving and what we're looking for. And the reason why we're craving that, the reason why we're looking for that is because we already are. We have this deeper inner knowing that we already are connected to, to something, meaning, you know, God, higher power, whatever word you want to use, but we're also connected to each other. We're also connected to nature. Our body is interconnected to itself in ways that we'll never truly fully understand. So first and foremost, that, that connection that you might have again to your version of, of God, of a higher power, of the divine, whatever word you want to use for that. I use the word God, and so this is my podcast, so that's probably the word I'll use, but I know that that word um, is a trigger word for so many people because so many things have been done in the name of God that so many people have trauma associated just around that word, and that word is really just a word. So again, if you want to use the word divine, whatever word for you, something that is outside of yourself that, that you connect to that grounds you into that, that deeper place that you're here for a reason and you're here for a purpose. And I don't know about you, but it's super easy to look around the world, to tune into media, to look at sometimes even social media and see all these people in the world who seem to have the best life possible and seem to have life all figured out. And you think, what is my small, measly contribution? What could my purpose be for being alive on this planet? My life feels so insignificant when I look at the scope of everything around me. And that's where this power of connection comes in. That's where our lives begin to feel meaningful. Without connection, I believe those first two steps oftentimes will still leave us many times feeling an emptiness and a void. Because connection more times than not is oftentimes the fuel by which we, we truly begin to feel alive and we begin to feel that inner purpose that maybe life isn't this grand joke or trick that some evil God is playing on us. Maybe there's something more here. And so that connection, again, we can first and foremost cultivate with, you know, within ourselves and to our, quote, higher power, to God, to whatever word, again, you want to use. And then ultimately, finding ways by which we can do that and connect with others. And that is one of the challenges of today's world is that we have all these tools more than ever. I know I've said this on other podcasts, but we have all these tools to be able to supposedly connect with other people, but there is an epidemic of loneliness and disconnection. And, and some of it is, is because we've been told that technology alone will solve that. And that is one form of connection. But ultimately what each of us crave is what that heartfelt 
genuine connection, whether it's face-to-face, voice-to-voice, whatever it might be, where we're able to be seen and where we're able to see the other person. And so as I step back into that from my own artistic expression of beginning to start to put out podcasts again after just a year that flew by with so many different things in it, I hope that today's episode is a small encouragement for you in whatever way you have that in your own life, that there is no small contribution to being present with someone, to asking someone how their day is, and really genuinely wanting to know from, again, the stranger at the checkout line to maybe someone in your life that you haven't talked to in a while. You send a text to a friend, or you even just say, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Are you up for a a phone call? We all have these small ways of doing that. And a lot of times what I have found over and over and over again in my own life is that, you know, we could spend all this time, you know, trying to kind of outthink, outlogic all the craziness that's in our world and the craziness sometimes that we feel inside with, with just this anxiety living in today's world and how the power of connection so many times is almost this soothing balm that no matter how much we would have tried to overthink things or tried to kind of get ourselves out of a rabbit hole we've gone through, all of a sudden we had a connection with someone and what? I feel different. (laughs) And all of a sudden what? That soil of our hearts or that soil of the garden that we're walking through, it feels different. And now all of a sudden, whoa, that one thought that really bugged me like 15 minutes ago, I'm not even thinking about that. That that just like kind of like, that's just, it's like it just went to the past. <laughs> that's the power of connection. So again, today's podcast is sort of a preview of, of what I want to continue to build on as I continue to do my own expression of that. And I hope that it's been encouraging to anyone listening today. And one small favor that I'd have to ask of my audience, whoever's listening to the Scarcity Complex podcast, is that this act of creation or expression of when we're putting ourselves or our voices out into this world, it takes courage in whatever form you're doing that in the ways that I'm doing that. And and the favor I have to ask is that if you are enjoying this podcast or you enjoy today's episode, if you would take the time to whatever platform you're listening on, just take the time to give it a, a quick review. Maybe if you have time to even leave a few words, that would mean the world to me. I wish that wasn't the case that we live in such a world where you're judged by thumbs up or thumbs down or where you're judged by whether or not some troll or some person, whatever, that just doesn't like you, you know, can try to just, you know, bring you down. But that's the world we live in. And that's the world where we have to constantly be supporting and encouraging each other in these really small ways. So I'm doing this as an offering to just try to put out into this world. I'm hoping to do it more and more. And I hope that from today's show, you might be encouraged in your own way to keep going. In the same way that me running into this sweet woman, you know, who told me that she's listening to these podcasts and she's sharing it with friends, that that small moment of encouragement that she had no idea how much that would be the fuel that I needed this week to finally get in front of the microphone again and finally do what I've said I've committed to doing and just doing it. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show and I hope that whatever you might have going on in your life as you look at what's going on in the world, that there still is, no matter how dire, no matter how evil sometimes the things that are going on in the world and with things around us, to know that you are not alone and to know that you yourself are filled with the same infinite possibility and that when we believe that and that when we're willing to step into that and that when we're willing to step into that together, anything is truly possible. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your week. It's a